The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we're chatting with Christina Hardikainen. Christina recently joined IC Agile as Director of Agile Learning. In this role, she's working to advance the state of Agile Learning globally. Christina has worked in some fascinating businesses, including government agencies, oil and gas companies, and policing. With over 15 years working in IT, she's held roles in testing, development, management, business analysis, product ownership, and spent time guiding organizational change. Christina, thanks so much for being with me today. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Leslie. I'm uh, delighted to talk to you. Um, You have totally embraced influencing the Agile community um, in a variety of different ways. And so we could cover a ton of ground today. But before we get into that, let's just start off with a little bit of the story about how you found, found Agile and really what you've experienced as a woman while you've been part of our community. Sure. And so I found Agile back in 2011. We had a consultant when I was working at the Gaming and Liquor Commission here in Alberta come in and say, let's try this project as as an Agile project. And I got voluntold that because I was a business analyst, I was going to be the product owner for uh, for this new project. And I just jumped in the deep end right away, just taking in everything I could. I went and I did my, my certifications. We brought in a coach to work with us. And, and through all of that, um, I, I was asked if I'd like to volunteer for Agile 2012 as a, as a reviewer on what was then the business value and working with stakeholders track. And uh, of course, I said, yes, this is a fantastic opportunity for me to learn, to be a part of this community, to meet people and to understand what are they wanting to talk about at these kinds of events. And I worked really hard on that, and my track chair ended up writing a letter to my boss saying why I needed to be at the conference, and, and that was what actually got him to send me <laughs> to go to the event, and I've been involved in the event ever since. It's just, it was such an amazing experience and just so welcoming and so life-changing for me that uh, it's put me on this path to where I am now. That's great. And then as the chair of the conference this past year, um, what was that like? That was, it was amazing and intense at the same Mm -hmm. time. So um, some of the biggest highs um, and some of the lowest lows for me along the way, uh, I found things like the day I had to send out the accept and reject notices was the most rewarding and the hardest at the same time because we had almost 2,000 submissions last year for the conference and only 280 speaking slots. So I sent out almost 1,800 no's to people. And the response of, I'm so disappointed and what could I have done better and how do I, how do I make this happen for me in the future, uh, those trickled in for the next two weeks those kinds of responses um, intermixed with this is so exciting. It's amazing. I'm so happy. I get to take advantage of this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so, uh, it was a roller coaster to, to experience that. Um, 
but I wouldn't have changed it for the world because I think I got this wonderful opportunity to bring a little bit of me to the event uh, and things like the, the self-care track and then the choice of the keynote speakers. Uh, and they really put a lot of thought into how I wanted people to feel while they were there. That, that's really great. And I was, it, it was been an honor to feature both Lynn and Portia mm-hmm. on the Women in Agile podcast series. And we were able to record with them um, near the conference yeah. uh, in August. And so, I mean, just fantastic selections. I, they were just so impactful and wonderful. And I find myself referring back to the things they talk about and the things that they're passionate about almost on a weekly basis. And so like, I I can tell you from my own personal experience, like those were impactful choices that made a difference in our community. So thank you for that. Fantastic. I know Lynn's work became a thing at my work too. We, we have ish written on the whiteboard Mm -hmm. and we we just got to ish this. And uh, yeah, I've referred to her work over and over and over again. And it was just such a pleasure to finally be able to bring her to the event. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm curious, right? So we we got a little bit of your story around getting involved in the community and some mm-hmm. things you're doing now. And I know you're also involved in the Business Agility Institute. But before we get to that, let's talk about the the role of women in the community, what you've experienced, what you've observed, mm-hmm. and maybe did that shape any of the decisions you made as a the conference chair? Sure. Um, it's it's really been fascinating to me to see how the women have stepped up in, in the last you know eight, nine years here to have their voices heard and have their voices heard in multiple spaces. I think when, when I first came in, there, one, there weren't a lot of women uh, being involved in organizing the event. There were a lot of, there were women still speaking at the event and attending the event, but actually going in behind the scenes to make this thing happen. And, and that started to become more prevalent that we're seeing more and more women organizing events, not just the women in Agile events, but also the, these other events in their communities and on a global scale. And that to me, again, brings that level of care into the, the sessions and into, this, and into the event itself, that wanting to, to nurture and grow the environment. Uh, and so it's just been such a joy to see that develop over the last few years. And then, and then talk about, do you have any idea what the ratio of like male to female speakers, I know that's a binary definition of gender here and it's more yeah. complicated than that, but in general, like, do you have it, like, was looking at that diversity mix something that you thought about as you all were doing this year's program planning? Well, honestly, for me as the conference chair, um, my big focus was on the keynote. There's a very huge team that puts together the recommendations for the larger program. Uh, and some of them I know took some time to do that look about diversity inclusion across their tracks. Uh, I can't speak to everybody because I let those teams do what they were good at. Um, yeah. For me, it was really important to not only have at least one and preferably two, as we, and we ended up with two female keynote speakers, but also to have the keynote speakers with a global perspective. So bringing in Lynn from Australia, bringing in Portia from the UK, and even bringing in Chris Bailey from Canada uh, to, to bring in that global mix uh, of keynotes was really important to me. 
I think and that's a such an interesting thing because no one, I think, is absolved from the idea of working in the global collaboration space today. And the more we can do to further that, I think, is so important, especially mm-hmm. even when I think about the track that you were passionate about around self-care. Mm-hmm. Because as we look globally, the things done in the U.S. and North America, kind of holistically, are not necessarily as self-care oriented mm-hmm. as some of our collaborators in Europe and other countries. And so um, was that sort of a deliberate move as well around that kind of global collaboration? Well, actually, the the self-care track was proposed by Sam Ling, who was in South Africa and now in New Zealand. She's the one who brought this idea forward to, to me to say, this is something that our community needs. And I wholeheartedly agree. Um, which is part of why I pushed for that to be part of the program. And I'm really happy that it's continued on for Agile 2020. And we had a fantastic group of diverse speakers on that track, bringing perspectives from different countries and bringing in the different takes on what does self-care actually mean? So we covered everything from um, Nicola Sedwick talked about uh, the data on her Fitbit and how it tells her when she's not taking good enough care of herself. To, to Sam talking um, about, you know, how you write letters to yourself, to your brain and to your body and then all of these different aspects for us to understand that self-care is all kinds of things. And it's okay for us to take that time and take that step back to do what feels right for us to take care of us. Yeah. And I think it it reminds me listening to you of a quote Portia Tung brought up when on her Women in Agile episode around, you cannot give what it is you don't have. Mm -hmm. And that's not exactly the the, the phrasing of it, but there's this idea of we, you know, we as Agilists, um, I think of, you know, the principle around sustainable pace being so important. However, in the instance of the cobbler's child has no shoes, we as Agilists, especially coaches and those that are consultants, don't often give ourselves the gift of sustainable pace. Mm -hmm. So how can we help promote that within others? So when it comes to you, Christina, and the work you do of self-care, what is it important that you're giving to yourself so that you can give it to the larger community? Uh, Time and space. (laughs) That's that's the the big thing. I am one of those people, I have a hard time saying no to things and it's something I'm actively working on. But Giving myself that that space to step back, take a breath, to to really accept that the work I'm doing is valuable and has merit. Um, and you know, one of the things I actually struggled with in, in saying yes to this opportunity with you was, do I even have a story worth telling? Uh, and and that was one of those is accepting that yeah I do I have a story we're telling that the things that I'm working on and the things that I'm trying to develop in myself can help somebody else uh, and so that's my own journey I get a little yeah when I think there's such importance in telling the stories. Mm-hmm of what we do for our own self-care and what our professional journeys have been like and how we balance giving back and serving our families and serving our customers and our organizations. Um, Just to normalize sometimes the pain Mm -hmm. 
and the heartache that goes along with it, but as well as inspiring others with the joy and sort of like with that and sort of the lens of learning that Mm -hmm. goes around it, because right, that's part of what we look to do here with, with this podcast series is help others learn. Like what are some stories that have been really pivotal moments for you in your journey that you'd love to share? Yeah. So I've actually, over the course of this past year, I've, I've, I've dubbed this the year of me this past year, uh, where I've run a series of almost experiments on myself, um, where each month I dedicate something, I pick something, whether it's a personal challenge, professional development, um, or, or something to grow me as a person that I've tried over the years. So everything from I ran my first half marathon this spring, to taking lettering classes and uh, visual, learning new visualization techniques, um, to audiobooks and all the reading, and just finally again clearing off that big old shelf of books that have never been read, right? <laughs> that I buy and, and with the best intentions, but never read them. And one of the the most interesting things I learned was when I was running. I've, I've been struggling with an injury and trying to get back into it, and. Initially, it was, do I run with music? Do I run without music? Do I run with stories? And, and what I found is that's a great space for me to, to develop by listening to books. I can do books while I run, and it helps me keep my brain engaged while my body is moving. And it's just this sense of space that I need and that sense of peace that I can really internalize the learnings that are happening there. That's... Um... I think that's so interesting. I too, uh, not a runner, but a walker. I, I'll do long distance walking. Um, love listening to books. Um, I do struggle though. Um, so I'm curious how you identify with this mm-hmm. of listening to fiction versus nonfiction when I'm out and about, because when I'm listening to nonfiction and I guess by nonfiction, what I really mean is more business or professional related books, because mm-hmm. not like nonfiction as in Michelle Obama's becoming, cause that's nonfiction, but you, you'll get yeah. what I'm going for. Um, cause I want to stop and take notes because mm-hmm. these other ideas start firing. So for you, what, did you find sort of a niche of books that you were listening to that were the best I guess synergy for your running? <laughs> I found in, it depended on the distance, actually. I found in the short distance, fiction was perfect because I could pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down, put it, you know, and just get a half hour chunk. Um, for the longer distances, getting into things like Brene Brown's work or, um, oh, what is, stop doing that shit is the book. <laughs> I love it. Um, because I loved listening to him in my ears and, and not just telling me to be better, but also to just get up there and quit messing yourself up. Um, and I found that those kinds of books were really good for me for long distance because I always wanted to hear more and I wanted to continue the journey with them. Uh, and I could come back and scribble all the notes, but it was important for me to just get as much of it as I could in one go. That's really interesting. Um, it makes me want to like get out there and try a different strategy. 
Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, if we can start sort of a little bit of a online Twitterverse <laughs> conversation around, like, what are your favorite things to listen to when you're running and walking or maybe at the gym? Yeah. Um, just because I bet there's so many wonderful recommendations. So with that, right, you mentioned, you know, Brené Brown as well. Any mm-hmm. other recommendations and things that you found uh, on this this journey that you want to share with folks? Um. Well, I'm going to step away from books, actually, because there's, there's, there's so many. And, and okay. it's really just knowing what you are looking to develop in is um, my experiment here in November and myself is going back to trying meditation again. And I was one of those people I would try and go, I'm doing it wrong. My brain is just it's going like crazy. And I'm just going, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. I'm thinking too hard. No, I'm not supposed to think right now. I'm being really hard on myself. And um, the November journey has been quite a bit different because I've get, let myself try different ways of doing it. So focusing on breathing, now that doesn't, that uh, nope, my brain's going a mile a minute. There is no breathing happening. There is just thought, 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 thought. But when it came to focusing on sound and space, now all of a sudden I can get into this and I can be in that moment and that was one of the things I took from all of these books that I was listening to and from Chris Bailey's talk about the importance of, of meditating. And I'm going, well, I tried that. It didn't work. Uh, this, giving it another chance and trying it in all of these different fashions helped me find the thing that was right. And that, that idea of space and the way you talked about the word sound felt like there was a somatic quality to that, a very whole body sort of resonance in, in your, just the word sound Mm -hmm. in the way you said that. So like, what have you noticed in your shift? It's almost the end of the month. So what have you noticed in that November focus around meditation? It has definitely helped me in recentering myself, being able to find my calm and being able to tackle the next thing. Um, I've, I've done it as a daily practice, a 10 minutes every day daily practice this month. And I find that I'm much more relaxed. I can just let things slide on through. Uh, and it's helped me in my quality of sleep at night. So it's just, it's made such an amazing difference. And, and for me, again, those first few days of here's my third brain, it's thinking, 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 all of these thoughts uh, to finally being able to get still. And in those moments, actually, ideas for, for talks and ideas to uh, help inspire people and ideas for coaching have come and bubbled up to the surface in that space that I've given myself. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so wonderful. Um, I struggle personally with my Mm -hmm. meditation practice and, uh, it's something that I probably should start hitting from some different angles. Cause I too don't know if just the breath is enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've changed mine. It's a a rainstorm, a thunderstorm because I've always found them really calming. Mm -hmm. Um, but being able to just focus on the sound of the raindrop all of the rain falling around uh that's made a huge difference it's strange but it's great 
Oh, no, it doesn't sound strange to me at all. Rain, I think for many people that you talk to is like a a relaxing and cathartic sort of sound and atmosphere, like sitting on a, I'm imagining now like sitting on a porch during mm-hmm. a rainstorm and how lovely that is. Yeah, I've taken a note from my pets and I sit in the sunbeam that comes into our house in the middle of the afternoon. When the sunbeam comes in, I set up my cushion right in the sunbeam and I face right into it and listen to the rainfall. So you're getting vitamin D as well. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. So through this journey this year around self-learning and all of these different sort of experiments you've been running, Mm -hmm. how is that really shaping this philosophy that you're taking on as you start looking at agile learning globally and sort of your passion around creating space for learning to happen within our community? It's, it's really let me take a perspective of, again, not everybody learns the same way, but being able to, to really embrace can't yet. I can't yet. And, and trying to pass that along to folks as they embark on their own learning journeys or their own journeys through this whole crazy agile thing where they think, I couldn't possibly ever speak at an event or I couldn't possibly ever draw a you know draw a sketch note and share that with someone I couldn't possibly ever and and really being able to bring to them that so you just can't do those things yet and being able to find that first step that you can take on that journey and it doesn't have to be a year or a month of a commitment it just has to be one thing that you can commit to to take that first step on that journey the um I love that idea of yet it's a little bit like ish mm-hmm. and that it sort of just makes it a little bit more approachable yeah. um, and kind of forces you to embrace your own inner wisdom and creativity and what that art of the possible is for self. Um, talk about, right, going back to that Porsche quote, you cannot give what it is you don't have, mm-hmm. right? If we all sort of embrace that idea of yet, like we just can't do it yet, mm-hmm. um, it's such a, a word that has a yearning almost in it as well. Like, I don't need to do it now. I'll get there eventually. But it's sort of a longing and a yearning for the journey to get there as well. There's a drive behind yet. Yeah. Right? There, there's this idea of someday, whether it's tomorrow, next year, next month, whatever it is, someday I'm going to hit that goal. Because I'm embracing it in myself that I can't do it yet. Yeah. Um, what is something that you have on your list of things that you just can't do yet? <laughs> so um, <laughs> my yet are back to, I, I can't go back to my running yet. I'm yet. still having this issue with the, with this knee injury. Um, I'm not real thrilled with my drawing skills yet. Uh, and it's something that I'm investing in and, and in my lettering. Um, you know, I want to be better at visualization and, and guiding people. And I'm taking steps on my own coaching journey uh, to, to get to the point where I can take that stance better. Because right now, it's something I don't do well yet. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I, you know, the idea of a coaching stance is something I've really been working to cultivate this year. And it's, um, 
it is amazing for unlocking the power of the don't you don't know what you don't know quadrant Mm -hmm. and truly leaning into things that um, have not emerged yet yeah but the belief that they will (laughs) like so much is yet to emerge and that that power of possibility that comes from that coaching stance i think is um is so powerful and wonderful in the work that we do. Um, What is it when you think, let's take a meta view here for a minute, Mm -hmm. Christina, as we start thinking about wrapping up, when you think about the state of learning in our agile community, what are some of those wishes and things that we can't do yet as an industry because we haven't gotten there? Wow. (laughs) you know, one of the one of the big things that I, I'm seeing and experiencing a, a lot lately is is that understanding of the difference between coaching, mentoring, training, teaching, how all of those things are really really different and and, and consulting and I think consulting. is an important one to add to the mix because it yeah. too is different. It too is different, and so. Being being able to help folks understand, us as a community, understand what all of those things are. That's the thing that we don't have yet. We yes. have pockets where we've got some understanding or some thought of understanding. And, and really, how do we all move forward together to say, this is really what? good coaching looks like. This is what good leadership looks like. This is what mentorship looks like. Uh, and and really helping develop that. Um, another aspect, and I know I'm bouncing all over the place on you today. Another aspect that I think is really important for us as a, as a community to embrace or to, to strive to do better is giving space for other voices to be heard. Uh, that there are a lot of great stories out there and whether it's the the person is you know unable or unsure to share their story is how do we help those stories be heard because I think that there's so much out there that's so valuable that those folks don't feel like they can share yet (laughs) yeah yeah Um, And that really is, I mean, I think so important as we think about the work we're doing through Women in Agile, right? We've got launching new voices, Mm -hmm. but just in general, how we interact with the new faces that we see every year at conferences and in events and in working with each other. I was just delivering a webinar to a group of um, consulting analysts talking about the just agile values and principles. And I probably spent 10 minutes just talking about the very first line of the manifesto. We're uncovering better ways, right? Um, And how there is someone out there right now today, doesn't matter when you're listening to this episode, but someone out there today that is trying something for the very first time And it's going to make such a difference with their team that they're going to get it written up for the call of papers for next year's conferences. And they're going to present. And in two and a half years, it is going to be all the rage that we're all talking about. But if we don't give that person that opportunity to share that story, then we're not going to know about this incredible innovation. Um, Because that really is the thing that unites us is that idea of inspecting and adapting and innovating with new ideas. And um, I I think that at least for me, 
is something that truly draws me to this industry and this type of work. There's, there's that and there's the making the community really welcoming to those to those folks that are new and just saying, yeah, you know what? You may have been on this journey since 2001. They haven't. And you've got to think about how do you make them want to get and uh, where you are or to be involved in this community for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and so this year I've actually taken on the, the track chair role for the Agile Foundations track for Agile 2020, which is meant for those folks that this is their first time. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're still figuring out what this whole Agile thing is. Uh, and the conversations that I've had with Emma Armstrong, the conference chair about this is that it's really important to me that all of the speakers on this track are welcoming and open and warm, that they're not just good at delivering an introductory session. They're conveying that feeling and that emotion and that community to these folks that in those first couple of days as they get oriented to the conference and the event, that they feel welcome and part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also going back and really embracing that beginner's mindset. Right. Um, and you know, cause we've all heard when we've been in, in doing this work for, you know, so long, someone can get out the first four or five words of a question. You're like, Oh, I know which one this is and how to answer that and go it been giving people, or you you've used the phrase time and space, mm-hmm. give people the time to articulate their own voice and asking that question and the space to really lean into that learning versus just bulldoze them with the answer. Um, in an effort to just keep things moving. So that, that welcoming and the environment you really build in those sessions, I I agree is really, really paramount. And and there's a reason why the saying is hearts and minds, right? Mm -hmm. Is you need to touch people emotionally. You need to engage them in that sense in order to bring their brains along for the journey. And so that's what I try to do in, in all of the, the conference work. That's what I try to do in my own personal life is, I really think about the feeling that someone has when they interact with me. Uh, And so that's how we form that connection. And then we can worry about the brain stuff and we can, and we can engage on the mental level. But if we don't strike that, that heart to heart, that emotional connection, the mind never follows along. Yeah. It's a, it's almost like casting a spell. Yeah. Right. And in creating that sort of trance and that, that, um, I'll bring back that word somatic, that kind of whole body experience of being mm-hmm. in. Um, and then like anything is possible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely. Christina, any final words of wisdom you want to leave people with today? Uh, em- embrace those things. Embrace that not yet in your in your own journey. Uh, grab onto ish. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be perfect as, as you're working through. And, and just... You know, the thing, again, like I said to you earlier, that I struggle with that I want everybody else to embrace in themselves, too, because it's easy to tell them to do it, <laughs> is that you do have a story worth telling. Absolutely. And if listeners have ideas for other wonderful stories we could feature on this Women in Agile podcast series, I'll use this as an opportunity to remind people, you can always email us at podcast at womeninagile.org to send those ideas and suggestions. Um, the more new voices that we can show and, and showcase throughout this uh, these conversations, the better. Yeah. 
Christina, thank you so much for being here with me today for this chat. It was lovely to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, I look forward to seeing you as we interact in the community. Thanks so much, Leslie. It's been great. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. You can go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.